0: Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds, a show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd, Life in, Licensed Fishing, I couldn't say it, Licensed Fishing Guide, I'm your best friend. I've been guiding I, no weekend. The- I know you are, John, hang on a second. I've been guiding no. all weekend and my brain's hurting. John, who are you? Go ahead.
2: <laughs> no, right. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I was doing a thing. All right, what do you want? To- no, go. You got it. I'm Crappy I- Hippie. And I am the Crappie Hippie, <laughs> co-founder of Glasswater Angling.
1: Awesome. And we, we make a show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. It's always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. John, how are you? I am doing good, doing good. How about yourself? I'm so tired. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've, I've been on I, this, so this is our big holiday weekend for fishing we just our biggest weekend of the year so we've in the last three days we've probably put in 25 hours on the ice Woo! which is a long time on the ice and I'm all sunburned and windburned, and the weather was great so it's fine we'll talk more about that in a minute but tonight on this show here's what's gonna happen I have some corrections from last week's show right we're gonna talk about Wyoming whiskey we're gonna talk about fish on cocaine in the news. We've got two stories on fish on cocaine. It's kinda of to pair with the cocaine bear movie coming out soon. Also, we're gonna debate the ethics, the ethics of a catch and kill ice fishing derby. The biggest one in New Hampshire just happened. And a friend of ours, friend of the show, lost the derby and he's such a nerd. He did a statistical analysis of the fish that win the derby to find out why he lost the derby. So that's kind of today's show in a big bite right there. John, sound good? Hey, sounds fantastic. All right, we're going to go right into it. Because last week, John, we started off the show, and I said here on the podcast, which, by the way, is usually true or mostly true this show, so it's okay for me to be wrong, preface that, but I said that pike were not native to Vermont. Not pike. We weren't talking pike. We were talking muskie weren't native to vermont or maine and i probably got maybe seven or ten emails and messages reminding me that i don't know everything and that those fish are native to those places now i didn't fact check so i still might be right but according to enough listeners uh i'm wrong so i'm gonna trust them I'm gonna well
2: I, I i'm coming down on the side of the listeners bro because uh doesn't maine like Border on the Saint Lawrence River. I have no idea, and isn't like, I don't even like, know our main like Champlain uh, shared between Vermont and New York. So yeah, I I think these places have most. I know the Saint Lawrence River used to be legendary. I mean, uh, our good friend uh, Gunther on um uh, oh my god, what is his pet podcast called? Um, um, <laughs> I don't know. Bluefish Radio. Oh Bluefish yeah, yeah, from from Canada. Our friend. Yeah, yeah, He's the, the blind guy oh he is yeah he's a guy in a boat he he, he should he
1: should call his podcast blind guy in a boat
2: i because i would listen more often i i I, there's a lot of podcasts i'd listen to more often if i once again had a 40 hour week and was three people but um i mean a 40 hour day excuse me and was three people but anyway he talks a lot about the musky populations and some of these uh traditional fisheries on his side of the line and i hear um the Saint Lawrence River come up. Well, I'm confident.
1: Frequently. I'm confident in my wrongness on this, so, <laughs> <laughs> and I have no problem being wrong. It does not bother me one bit when I'm wrong, and I'm fine with it. So uh, now you know. Now you know. So I'm, I'm not always right. I'm always. And I love hearing from listeners to tell me. Yes, you tell me absolutely. when I'm when I'm wrong, and I will come on here and yell at you for it. But I'd also be glad you did it. So thank you for doing that. Um, I also want to. Uh, Quickly, start the show with a shout out to listener John Bram. Now, John Bram booked an ice fishing trip with me today and put, d- dragged 16 of his family members up to fish with us. And he's actually a fish nerds and lure love fanboy and a huge oh. fan of both shows and came cool. up and was so excited to bring 17 counting himself people fishing with me today. So, that is so, <laughs> so awesome, man. Amazing, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. He asked for inside information on what happened to lure love. I told him that Tim died.
2: <laughs> That's all I can say. They were trying to get the ultimate fishing lure. That's right. Game over. So I didn't give him nothing. Uh, but we had a great time fishing with them
1: today. Can you imagine bringing that many people ice fishing?
2: I think, I know I cannot. And I admire people with that sort of energy and yeah. that sort of... Um, ability to organize people and get them somewhere to have a good time these well, people are key it's to challenging keeping fun in in this world
1: it is challenging but the, the whole crew was great they were game which is really important if you're going to go fishing on a charter on the ice in new hampshire in february you need to be game and they were game they came to play um but there was a lot of them and i luckily had Vinny with me and we had ben Who's just a local friend of ours who came out and helped out too? So, having some extra hands up on the ice made a big, big difference for us. And everyone caught as many fish as they wanted. That's how good the fishing was. Wow. Like, That's new than awesome, deal. It, Today, so, so we fished in the exact same spot yesterday for 11 hours, and every fish we had to fight for. They did not want to get caught. Today, it was like they wanted to be on top of the ice. They were like, you know what, I want sunshine. <laughs> I'm going to come up and breathe some fresh air Sit in the sun Because <laughs> today was easy fishing Well <laughs> so, oh,
2: I know how that goes
1: Yeah I love an easy fishing day Boy as a guide If you can get oh. 17 people on fish in the first hour You've won
2: Yeah, you've yeah won. you're a miracle man Absolutely You've
1: won so I'm happy about that So thanks John Bram for both listening And for uh, for coming fishing with us I also gave him a fish nerds hat and decal too So I hooked him up
2: Well that's just you all I can't right. even here buy those go. anymore. I don't have
1: any left. I'm out. That's it. They're gone. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Fish nerds are broke, by the way. So we <laughs> we can't buy more stuff for a while. We need to we need to get this podcast making some money at some point. So speaking of money, John. Yeah, yeah. You want to jump into news here? Let's do it. Because that's our money segment. We're going to talk about it. fish on cocaine in the news. Yeah. All right, John. With the new movie "Cocaine Bear" coming out, I know you're a big fan of coke. Um, have you seen <laughs> Have you seen the trailers of this movie, "Cocaine Bear"? It's based on a true story. You know, story.
2: I, I mute commercials, so I've seen it, but I you know I haven't listened to it. But I am familiar with the original story from my favorite murder and other people that have covered it. So. I
1: haven't. I'm not familiar at all with it, but I saw the name and I thought there has to be fish on cocaine, right?
2: absolutely. Right, we know that. We did one of my first stories that I did with you, bro. Years was, ago. Uh, yeah, on the Thames. All the coke and the water in the Thames.
1: Well, that uh, was one I had today. So I'm gonna skip that one. But let's talk about frantic salmon on cocaine. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, because I did have the cocaine on the Thames River queued up, but I forgot you did that one. But you know anyway, We could swap that with a drunk fish story. Oh boy, that's with fish great. that fish that <laughs> fish that like to drink. So <laughs> And if my computer will load on me, we'd be in great shape. The headline here, John, is "Smells Fishy: Are Frantic Jumping Salmon High on Cocaine?" Oh, that sounds sounds like a normal thing. But in Germany, <laughs> this fish farm has a crazy thing happening. Fish, salmon are trying to jump out of the river in, in out of the fish tanks in ways that they don't normally do. It's erratic okay. behavior. Happened back in June of 2020, and they try to jump out of the water in a panic on a Leneuve Kirchenbaum album site in Sauerland in Germany. Upon investigation, the analysis analysis said they detected cocaine and cocaine degradation running in the stream there, which is feeding those fishes. <laughs> what? So you have all these fish acting crazy on cocaine. And it's almost like a feeling of discomfort is what the scientists say. Like almost that they're going through like withdrawal from the cocaine. Okay. So they're looking for oh. more.
2: Yeah. Oh, you know, that just blows. I mean, come on. I mean, oh, boy, why did it I blows. say that? But anyway, <laughs> uh, that just sucks because these these poor fish, you know, they, they didn't sign up for this stuff. I mean, what, what's the stream run by uh, Germany's hottest dance club with free cocaine at the door? Well, it, you it, know, what,
1: it took a while to figure it out. You know they did all kinds of sampling and they finally analyzed it and found that there was cocaine in it. Um, in, in other things, they also found um, herbicides, other ag- pharmaceuticals in there as well, but in smaller quantities. And so, my so who's new- going to
2: start bottling this water and selling it? That's that's my next problem. Well,
1: I'm in, John. You know, <laughs> I could use the stop energy. It, stop it. So, <laughs> but, but anyway, so so after all this breakdown, they found all the other chemicals, but they weren't enough to affect the behavior. It turns out benzo. Ben- Benzoliogonine I think I said that's the that's a breakdown of cocaine I, I said it wrong doc's going to hate me but uh, that's all they found mostly in the tanks is that so all their behavior is all from the breakdown of cocaine and they and and that wouldn't make sense and evidence is, is shows that humans leave their footprints It's because obviously people are doing cocaine and it came from employees <laughs> Who worked wow. at, and, and, and they came across, they worked there, and also came in from an illegal discharge of sewer near the stream. So in that area, the cocaine, people are doing so much cocaine, it's getting into the waters, both from employees at that site and from the local sewage. And that's where the I, cocaine's coming from.
2: I, I, I don't even, you know, I just don't even know what this... Day. i, mean, I know well we're seeing it all crazy. over the place
1: i mean you did the story on cocaine eels years ago and again that was coming from like the drug right. manufacturing in, in london um we see all kinds of drugs in local waterways where we see fish who are on antidepressants because there's such high numbers in the wa- in the water so many people are yes. on on these are dumping down the drains and they're getting to the fishes so it shouldn't be surprising to find salmon on cocaine now whether the salmon attack and kill people make a horror film that remains to be seen but maybe cocaine bear successful maybe cocaine salmon is next
2: cocaine salmon has got to be next i mean the, the cocaine bear story is uh about a guy that don't you know was kind of an amateur i'm gonna make some money easy money dealing coke and he went down and got a load he ended up having to dump a bunch of it out of his plane and and that poor bear came upon it um these poor fish. Yeah, I I, I, I can see it. it yeah. It's going to be the next thing. In fact, you know, somebody ought to write uh, my favorite murder and tell Karen and Georgia about this one so they can add it to their collection oh, because hobby. they have cocaine bear. They have cocaine wild pig. Oh, do they? From Italy. Yeah. Wow. And so they would need a cocaine salmon story. And since they have about 20 million downloads a show and we have like 20, 20 um he may be but, 22 you know yeah, okay 21 well, now know? that we did stories about cocaine fish yeah <laughs> um uh it would be cool to to fill them in but anyway I, I i you know it's it's funny we try to make make you know funny funny but yeah we got fish growing boobs because they're uh i mean not literally but because of the hormones in mm-hmm. the water we got fish uh I don't know. Uh, where where is where is M knight Man? You know, he 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 loves to do these sorts of stories. I don't know. It's
1: it's coming soon,
2: John. It's coming soon. Now it, cocaine
1: cocaine salmon also could be a recipe. So what <laughs> <so. laughs> a like the cocaine in the fish. <laughs> yeah. Sounds delicious. What a delight. So yeah, that's that's my first story. And I and I was originally gonna do story on PFAS and the fishes and all this other stuff. And I was reading our show notes and just getting kinda of depressed and I thought, you know what? We got to talk about cocaine, and now we have to talk about drunk fish. Let's do it because they've been studying fish, and scientists love studying a fish called a zebra fish because it shares. Tell me why? Well, it shares a lot of traits of humans as far as the way it metabolizes things. So they like to study behavior of those fish and make comparisons. The title is the headline here is: "Is fish are reckless when drunk?" Study finds. It's a real headline and the real science. <laughs>
0: All right, so the, like a
1: D. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we and you know, we know the effects of alcohol on humans, right? We right. know that if you have a little bit to drink, you lose your inhibitions. Maybe you act a little bit crazier. Maybe you become more mellow, right? Right. But so, so the scientists from NYU, uh, the Polytechnical School of Engineering Dynamic S- System Lab Laboratory, did an experiment. They took zebra fish. And they allowed, allowed the zebrafish to swim in a solution of ethanol. And they put the fish in tanks, diluted from 0%, which is, that's your control. There's no alcohol in there. And then 0.25%, 0.5 and 1, And be, before being transferred to freshwater and monitored for how they interact with sober fish. They like to watch sober and drunk fish get together. Now, as a human, it's really fun to be a drunk in a crowd, but it's less fun <laughs> to be the sober human in a crowd of drunks. for yeah, sure. Right? No one, no one likes being that guy. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm hanging out with these people. And Clay's at it again. How much is he going to drink tonight? Why am I always the designated driver? This sucks. Yeah, but the yeah. team found that just like in humans, fish were, that were slightly buzzed had less inhibitions and showed a less fear of hesitation as opposed to fish that were sober.
2: So you're telling me like the guy sidles up to another zebra fish and mm-hmm. say, like, "Hey, hey, babe, you you got stripes that just won't quit." Yeah. Well, how they, about you and me? Yeah.
1: yeah. Great. <laughs> does, does that anal fin go all the way to your caudal fin? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so the, these fish also appear to act more boldly and become leaders of groups of fish. The ones that were a little buzzed would become the leaders in the tank because they're so bold, they swim faster. Um, also. Congruous with humans, just like in humans. Uh, those who were exposed to the full dose, 1% of ethanol, were a little bit too tanked, <laughs> and their leadership skills diminished. <laughs> and that caused them to now, lag behind the sober fish uh, and got wobbly in their movements.
2: And then they eventually, what, puked? Yeah, well, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. They, just, just like you know, too, by the way, that by within 24 hours of being put in a fresh water with no alcohol, all the fish sobered up, And a couple of them had a day or so of recovery afterwards, just like in humans. And the reason they study this is because looking at genetics of humans, because zebrafish have a lot of similarities to humans with regards to development, behavior, and genetics. And another study, a previous study, found that when eggs are exposed to alcohol, the fish grow up to be more antisocial, which is insight on how a mother's alcohol consumption affects human babies. So they're kind of making these leaps. But scientists could not say whether zebrafish experience hangovers for sure, but they did note that they get back to complete normalcy after a couple of days, which we already talked about. And they didn't draw any real conclusions from there. We just know that zebrafish, when they drink, like to party. <laughs> so so well, the question the that fish they that
2: loves to party.
1: You know, the question they can't answer, which I believe Jonathan Balcom could. Jonathan Balcom wrote the fish. I uh, wrote the story, the book. What a fish knows all about fish behavior and fish feelings, and he claims that fish have feelings. We had him on the show a
2: long time ago. A great, it was a really fun interview to do. Um, oh, yeah, and it's one of our biggest shows. And it, anyone would benefit from listening to that. It's, yeah, it's, it's a lot it's of fun, a lot it of fun. And,
1: and, and Jonathan Balcom, even though we disagree with him, great person, good sense of humor, and I love talking to people who I disagree with, especially if they've got humor on their side because it makes it very easy to have a conversation. Um, but I'd be curious to see... From him, do you think those fish enjoyed being drunk? <laughs> right. Well, you
2: you know it's probably the same thing as humans. You enjoy it while you're doing it, and then afterwards, you're like, "What did I do? Mm-hmm. What did I say?" Yeah.
1: Same thing. Do they have regrets? <laughs> do they get a tattoo? Maybe they don't want to talk about it anymore.
2: And you and you know some microbrew dude is out there listening to this, going, "Zebra fish." I'm just some. That's it. That's, that's it. Zebrafish ale. You know,
1: <laughs> I'm just happy some dudes listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap the news up. Let's do it. Wrong button. All right, John. I do want to give a quick review to Wyoming whiskey. Over Christmas, they sent me whiskey. This is the second time Wyoming whiskey has sent me a bottle of whiskey. Speaking of drunk fish, do you drink, John?
2: Uh, not when I'm asleep. No. All right. So you drink a little bit. Do you enjoy whiskey? Uh, it depends on what kind. I mean, I only enjoy like bourbon mm-hmm. and Tennessee sipping whiskey mm-hmm. and Scotch whiskey, Irish whiskey, mm-hmm. uh, rye whiskey. I love rye. Uh, corn whiskey. Um, yeah, that's it. But that's it. Yeah. That's as long I'm... as it rhymes with ski, I'm in. All right. So Wyoming
1: whiskey. is this the second time they sent me whiskey, which is really wonderful. It's delicious. It's nice and smooth. they got this review here. It, it's The nose it has a nice amount of sweetness. It wafts upwards from a glass, revealing a nose of vanilla bean, cherries, and raisins. Letting the libation breathe also reveals a nuance of caramel and cornbread. The experience, despite coming in at 88 proof, the Wyoming Whiskey Small Batch Bourbon has a light mouth feel. Sounds like a good review, right? I love it. I, want, I mean, I know I want to try it. Yeah, I have no idea what that means. I, I didn't write that. I cut and pasted it. I don't know how to read your whiskey, John.
2: <laughs> well, bec- but, but, but because you thoroughly agreed with it. That's the thing, right? Well,
1: I don't know. I didn't taste any of that stuff because I don't. my taste buds don't work in the way that a whiskey somonelele taste. I don't have a you can call a whiskey taster, but it doesn't work that way for me. But I really liked it. And that's all I can tell you about it is it was delicious. It was smooth. It didn't, make, it didn't give me snee, John. Do, do you know what Snee is? No. Give it to a shot of whiskey that has so much bite to it, you get spontaneous spontaneous nipple erection.
2: Snee, oh, okay. S-N-E, okay. spontaneous
1: nipple erection. It didn't give me that. Nope. gave <laughs> me a nice warm feeling. <laughs> but yeah, okay. not over the top. It was great. And I, I just want to thank Wyoming Whiskey for sending it out to me. I'm sorry my reviews aren't from whiskey taster background, but uh, it was delicious. Well,
2: next time, Wyoming, send me the thing, okay?
1: Let me tell you a story, John, <laughs> about a real whiskey tasting I went to, um, hanging out with a bunch of people from Scotland. Oh, my. All right, so I used to work at a summer camp. I'm not going to say its name, but longtime podcast listeners will be able to figure that out. And I was their fishing guy. And it was run by oh, the adults in the camp were a few old people like me, and the other old people were Scottish people from Scotland. The Scotland people can drink. And once a summer, we would do a whiskey, bourbon, scotch, whatever tasting party. And everyone would bring a bottle. And we'd all have a glass, two glasses, one glass of water for rinsing your mouth, the one for spitting in. You're not supposed to swallow it. Right, right. And the first like four or five sips, people are staying on point. They're taking a sip, they're talking about the whiskeys, spitting it in their spitting glass, rinsing it in their water, drinking the water from the water glass. And I'm getting drunker and drunker, even though I'm spitting out the whiskey and taking sips of water. And then six drinks in, I'm going blind, John. And the guy behind me, a Scottish guy, starts giggling until he's red in the face. And I'm like, why are you laughing so much? It turns out he was spitting his whiskey into my water. So when I was (laughs) sipping water, I was just getting more and more tanked as we hammered. I was getting smashed. So yeah, anyway, that's the whole story. That's my review for Wyoming Whiskey. Thank you, Wyoming Whiskey. Uh, please check out their website, please buy some Wyoming whiskey, and you can buy some from me and John, and we'd appreciate that. So, Wyoming whiskey, delicious, delicious whiskey. Right on. Right on. All right, John, next up, we've got our friend Mike. Mike Stefan is a scientist in Maine, and he fishes the Great Rotary Ice Fishing Derby in New Hampshire every year. This derby is statewide, and it's a catch-and-kill derby, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, not yet. I'm just going to give you the background of the derby. And it raises money for the Rotary of Meredith, New Hampshire. It raises tens of thousands of dollars a year. It might even be hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for the Rotary. All that money goes to local charities and nonprofits. All the fish that are caught are nailed to a board with their ma- weights and measured, and the winner gets fifteen thousand dollars with lots of thousand, you know, lots of prizes under that as well. There's just you know thousands of dollars in prizes to give away from these fish that are killed. All the fish that are killed are donated to the um, Squam Lakes Science Center to feed the raptors that they have there for their science education programs. All the raptors there are all birds that went through rehab but couldn't be released into the wild. So There's a kind of your chain of what happens in this derby. So after this discussion with Mike about his derby loss, we're going to, you and I are going to talk about the ethics of a catch and kill fishing derby. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. So so let's talk about Mike Steffen. Mike Steffen, in 2020, during the pandemic, he won the Great Rotary Ice Fishing Derby with a crappie that weighed in at like four and a half pounds, which is a really big crappie. And he won $15,000 for ice fishing for two days. It was a pretty good prize.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <clears throat> now, John, you have some ethical lines. Do you have a dollar amount associated with your ethics?
2: Um, do Do I? Yeah. Um. Wow. Yeah. Is there a yeah, dollar? I, I, I don't think so. I don't. No, I. Yeah. Oh, god, right, wait. Well, I, mean, well,
1: I want you to soak on that for a while. We're going to okay. Yeah, let me soak on because that because <laughs> we're going to talk about that after we hear the interview. Now, okay. Mike won it a couple of years ago, and he entered that fish that won on the second day of the Derby. Now, the way the Derby works is the biggest fish fish on each day is is put into a hat. Not not literally the name of the person's putting <laughs> There's no hat full of fish. The name of the person with the top fish in each category is put in a hat. And it's uh, the, the fish categories are black crappie, yellow perch, lake trout, cusk or burbot, depending on where you're from, uh, white perch, pickerel. And uh, I think that's it. I think I got them all. Oh, and rainbow trout. And rainbow trout. So those are the categories. So the top weight of each of those from each day is put into the bucket. To win, and uh, so on, and it's from each day. And then each day it starts all over again. And so, if you've got second place on day one with a black crappie, which is what happened to our friend Mike, you don't get to win, even if your fish is bigger than the black crappie on day two. Okay. So the day two, day two black crappie was significantly smaller than the day uh-huh. one black crappie that was second place that, that, that Mike caught. And so Mike only won 200 bucks and didn't have a shot at the $15,000 this year. And, of course, oh, that made his man. science brain go crazy. Like, first of all, I didn't feel <laughs> fair to him. But second, he was wondering, are the fish on day two smaller on as a norm than they are on day one? And he asked a couple of the officials, and I did the same thing, I asked a couple of the officials, what, why the fish feel smaller on day two? They said they're always smaller on day two. So... When Mike heard someone say they're always smaller on day two, he went, wait a minute. That's the anecdotal. I want the data. And that's what we're going to be talking about with Mike in just a minute here.
2: All right. Good for you, Mike. We really appreciate all the work you did getting this data together. It's very interesting. I'm not real sure about some of these charts because I'm kind of science. So. Uh,
1: that's why we let him describe them. We'll put the charts up at yeah, 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 and good people deal. can
2: look at them. He's a data
1: scientist, so they will... Nerds will love this stuff. We're going to let him describe the whole thing. We'll take you through it, and then you and I can come back and talk about the ethics of it and what the results were. You're Good for that. Awesome. All right. All right. Oh, incidentally, by the way, it was just Mike's birthday. So, happy birthday, Mike!
2: Happy, happy birthday, happy Mike! Happy birthday,
1: Mike! All right, let's get to it. I want to welcome Mike Stefan to the podcast. Mike is a friend of ours, and he won the Great Whatery Fishing Derby, Ice Fishing Derby. Was it two years ago, Mike?
0: Three years ago, twenty twenty twenty, right before I went to shit.
1: Right before everything went to shit. That's right. And you won that big derby. What'd you win? How much money did you win? Uh, Fifteen thousand five hundred. Fifteen thousand dollars for a black crappie. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, so to, to you this past weekend was the Great Rotary ice Fishing Derby. And you went back to try and repeat that process. And on the Saturday of the Derby, you caught a black crappie that was pretty big, right? How big was it? Two pounds, th- 2.34 pounds. Right. And so a
0: little under 16, or 16 inches. Yeah, a little under 16. Which is a monstrous
1: fish. Yeah. It's a monstrous fish. And it was among the biggest crappie caught all weekend. It was the second biggest. It was the second, but it was among the top two, right? Mm-hmm. But you caught that on Saturday. Yep. And if you had caught that on Sunday... The way this derby works, that people don't know, is there's two days of derby, and as you catch these big fish, you, you kill them and hang them on a board. Well, we can talk about the ethics on that. <laughs> we'll probably on the show later talk about the ethics of that, but you hang them on a board, and then the biggest fish of the day wins big prizes, and all the fish that are standing
0: get awards, too. Is that how that works? yeah, pretty much they ask you you can keep your fish too if they want it, but like I uh, this was funny this last time they were I brought it you're supposed to bring in a dead fish, but mm-hmm. most of the time you know, you have a fish on ice, they stay they'll, they'll flop for like the whole day cold. Right. so brought it in and they it still moves and then they hit it with like a hammer <laughs> and they're like, oh, you still want this or do you want this? I'm like, no anymore. it's <laughs> smacked with a hammer <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, so they hang on the
1: board and then there's winners each day. And then how do they pick the winning fish? Is it the biggest over the course of the weekend or is it the biggest on the day? So the big grand prize fish. So it's biggest over course of the
0: weekend. Uh, Saturday and Sunday are kind of like two individual uh, days, but it still is the biggest fish of the weekend for seven different species. For seven species.
1: And if you had hung hung your fish on Sunday, which you could have done, you could have held
0: that overnight on Saturday Mm -hmm. and hung it on Sunday, you would have won the day on Sunday. I would have won five hundred dollars on Sunday. Yeah, easily. Like the fish that were that were on the board on Sunday, would not have won any money on Saturday.
1: Right, and so that two hundred dollars of heartbreak, and, I'm, mm-hmm. and I, you were, I remember you you messaged me and you were you were weeping, uh, caused you to go into this big depression, and the only thing that could cure it was statistics. Yeah,
0: as I I saw what I thought was. You know, a difference between days, and I wanted to know if it was actually true.
1: Well, it's funny because I was talking to the officials. uh, So I was at the board on Saturday afternoon, and they were saying it was anecdotal at the time that Sunday fish are always smaller. Mm -hmm. What they they told me, I went, "Really?
0: Yeah, that's making sense." And I've noticed that anecdotally also, but I was like, "I wonder if that's actually true." So you dug in. Tell us about it. Yeah. So yeah, so they so historically they posted the data on Facebook or their the, the the. the fish, each fish, uh, all the fish uh, for each day on Facebook. And they would put up the people, you know, and the sizes and how much they won. And do it for Saturday and Sunday. And they still do that. However, it's not on Facebook anymore. They do it on their own website. Mm-hmm. But they've had it up since 2013, where you're able to get data off just these Facebook posts. So that's 10 years so of I data. took all of... Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, it's a decent amount. So it's, you know, it's 10 fish uh, for the weekend for each species. So it was like... Five hundred data points, that it ended up being like oh, between, between all fish and all species. And I just looked at it between two thousand, you know, twenty two or twenty three, and then two thousand thirteen. And I just kind of looked at you know what happens over time, and I looked at specifically what I was interested in. Like you said, looking at is there difference between Saturday and Sunday between fishing between the fish. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there is, at least not for every species, uh, for, for black crappie, the species that I always fish for during the derby, they are significantly bigger on Saturday than they are on Sunday. Yeah. Any, any guess as to why? Uh, it's probably a bunch of different reasons, but I'm guessing there's probably not as many people fishing on that day. It definitely clears out every time. I mean, you know, get on those, if you go to a specifically the way to Psaki, on Sunday, there's just not nearly as many people out there.
1: Well, people have to work on Monday, so they go home.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> or so. people say, so "Oh, people are probably
0: hungover," and that's probably true too.
1: <laughs> well, and and also they get they burn out on Saturday. Yeah, like they they go in it before sunrise, fish till dark, drink all day, barely eat any food, and then Sunday rolls around. They're late to get out of bed, you know, because they got yeah. skunked on Saturday. Because most people on Winnipesaukee and the Derby get skunked.
0: Yeah, so you see very few people I'm, catching fish. Very, right? yeah. And actually, yeah, the fish and game officer came and checked me, and I was the only one who said he actually had a decent amount of fish.
1: Incidentally, I was on Long Island on Saturday. This is part of Wimpasaki and I was taking a walk out to go fishing. I bumped into these guys on a four-wheeler, and they were fishing there, and I was chatting with those guys. And I said, ah, oh, man, you know, they were like, man, we got, we've been fishing for two days straight, haven't caught anything. This was on Sunday. And they said, but fish and game said some guy at State's Landing, if you want to know where to fish, look for the little the guy in the blue pop-up tent on a sled. Did he really say that? He did. Uh, There's people who recognize And and he said, I think the guy's name is Mike. (laughs) And I went, I know Mike. And he goes, no, (laughs) you don't. I'm like, "No, I really do. He goes, everyone says they know people. And he was giving me a hard time. He thought I was like trying to name drop. I'm like, no, I really do know Mike. It's... He's a legend. It's weird now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like a fishing celebrity of sorts. Yeah.
0: There are people who recognize me when I go out there and they'll like, they'll look me up and be like, it is you. I thought it was. And I was like, yeah. <laughs>
1: All right. So, so tell us, uh, uh, so you went through the, you measured these fish and put these charts together. You put a
0: lot of charts together. And- yeah. So I did what well, I do, six different figures. Mm-hmm. I looked at the, so let me go through them really quick. So I looked at where the, where, what states people are coming from that are actually making it onto the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at, I was just curious. I mean, I knew there wasn't going to be many women, but I looked at compared to men versus women in terms of people on on the, uh, on the board. Uh, Was it like
1: 90%? Was it like ridiculous? It was
0: 5% women. Oh my gosh. That's awful. Yeah. It's not. and, And most of them, if you look at, I mean, there's not many, so it's not a huge number, but if you look at them by species, most of them are actually black crappie only for white perch. For some reason, only one woman has ever made it on the board in the past decade. Really? Yeah, wow. well, two wait. for lake trout, two for cusk, wow. uh, six for pickerel, four for rainbow trout, mm. and then six for yellow perch again. But yeah, shocking. black crappie has <laughs> nine, so it's so, not many know, still. But well, it's
1: so so I guide for crappie once in a while, and I and this is sexist, but I find women are better crappie fishers than men overall if they're inexperienced, and they might be a sensitivity thing because these crappie hits so light sometimes.
0: Well, I mean, think about two, I think a lot of women are also happy to just catch a fish and then so many more men are like, I want to catch the biggest fish there is. Right. So, so I bet f- the the majority of people out there probably fish for lake trout and cusk and like the bigger species. But for this Derby, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's fish smarter, not harder.
1: Yeah, boy. And- it's like,
0: think about like for you. I mean, I've only ever caught one lake trout that would maybe be big enough to like win money. Right. And then, but I've caught a bunch of crappie.
1: <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I've never caught a lake trout that way in money. I've got yeah. lots of rainbows that would. And in fact, I got one Saturday morning and you told me to hold it and put it on the board. And it would have made the board Saturday, mm-hmm. but it would have got bumped. Yeah. Because uh, it was just shy of 19 inches. and had to be 16 to get on the board. And all the ones that stayed in the board were over 20. So I, yeah. at first I felt bad letting it go. But then after I, after the weekend was over and I would have lost it anyway, I didn't feel bad anymore about it. Although it would have been
0: nice to have a, a fish on the board. So you can the bragging rights. I got on the board once, you know, yeah, I've gone on there three times now that I've won money. That's and weird. one time I got bumped on a Saturday, I think it was mm-hmm. by fish that would have, you know, would have been losers the next day. So funny.
1: That's so. Yeah. so and your,
0: your rainbows. I looked at like at that part of the thing was looking at each individual species over time, and rainbows have actually gotten bigger. Yeah, in the past decade. But rainbows are the board. only
1: stocked fish that people are fishing for in the derby.
0: Yeah, so, so they, it kind yeah. of makes sense. And I bet they might know something about the genetics. Maybe that's a that's a known size class, or maybe they, you know, ten. Oh, probably not ten years ago, but maybe you know. I don't know how often they stock it or whatever, but they might know like, oh, this year a bunch of the fish that were released five years ago are coming to this size. Yeah. So you could probably track that because they do do that for salmon. That's but true. Certain years are better because they know that you know five years ago we put in these fish, and they're doing really well.
1: Yeah. Well, so so it's, it's pretty neat, and the and the graphs are fun to look at. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal them, and I'm gonna put them up at fishnerds.com so anyone who's listening who wants to go look at the data, can. And you can draw whatever conclusions you want from it because it's really not like it's not it's not in depth study. It's just raw no. data. But it is fun to think about how the second day is different. Now going
0: forward, will you start holding your big fish till day two? I actually did it one time, and it didn't matter that 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 time. But mm-hmm. I've, I I was very much debating it on Saturday, but I felt pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think I'm going to win. I'll be fine. Right. And the and when I won the derby three years ago, that was a Saturday fish. That was
1: a Saturday fish. And and I also think that if you hold fish, they lose weight
0: yeah so i was wondering about that i, I, I talked about that with uh, uh with dave a little bit like the best way to do things mm-hmm. and like yeah you do lose weight and but like you don't want to lose blood either mm-hmm. so there'd be ways you could do it you could actually if if you think about it you could put a fish into like very pure water while it's dead and presumably that water by diffusion would move into the fish oh
1: <laughs> using science yeah a
0: <laughs> get a, so get a waterlogged good. fish Exactly. So you kill the fish so that it's not like because the fish, a uh, freshwater fish in particular, will be like pushing water out of its stomach, uh, out of its body all the time, mm-hmm. just because water's constantly trying to get in. But if it's dead, it doesn't do that anymore. God. So the water just naturally goes into the fish.
1: Yeah. I don't do that. No. No. You let a fish suffocate on the ice all day.
0: So, yeah. Exactly. Like a normal. Hit it fish with a hammer later. Then on.
1: smack it with a hammer. Yeah. So, Amy, anyway, it's, it's fun to look at, and uh, you got some money, two hundred bucks. That's not to sneeze at.
0: 200 bucks, yeah, not too bad, but yeah, paid for your guess. so close to another. <laughs> because I figure I was one, one in eight people away from winning, or another chance of winning it again.
1: Yeah, which is pretty amazing and, and fun, too. You know, fun to get that recognition. Um, so can we briefly talk about the ethics of this Fish and Derby? Sure. Because there's a lot of people, Fish Nerds fans, I, I saw on our Facebook page, someone commented, you know, how old school the idea was to have a catch-and-kill derby where you kill – the biggest examples of every
0: species of fish. Mm-hmm.
1: What do you think about the ethics here?
0: I mean, well, if you look at the stats, though, a lot of the fish, some of the fish are going down. Only white perch and yellow perch, but really, it's not doing anything at a population level. So it's probably honestly not doing too much. Yeah, not that big a deal. We're not fishing for rare fish. No, that's true. Yeah, it's not like we're, we're not white. It's, fish it's only on the board. a weekend. If yeah. it was every weekend, it would be different. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's statewide. Um I mean, I don't love the catch and kill concept of derbies too much. Mm-hmm. Um, And so here's where the ethics falls and it gets confused with with my greed. Mm Because I fish it because I want to win
0: something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be keeping these big fish either this weekend. If I had all the crappie, I probably would have kept it came from deep water. So it had some trauma going on. Mm -hmm. But... So I, there's a good chance it wouldn't have gone back down, right? Or maybe it would have gone down and just floated back up, <laughs> right? But you would, as long as you ice. can't
1: see it, you don't feel so bad about it, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and incidentally, all these fish are collected and brought to uh, Squam Lake Science Center to feed the raptors, so they aren't mm-hmm. they aren't just getting thrown in a pile someplace. They're, they're actually being used to to feed birds. Um, so yeah, but I would I would love to see, and we haven't seen it yet in New Hampshire. I know out west, I've heard about stories like this where they're doing digital digital derbies now, where when mm-hmm. you register, you get like a little puck, and you you get it that day of the event, and you put that down next to the fish you catch, take photos on special measuring tape, and it's like a texting thing or you have an app, you know, related mm-hmm. thing. And I can imagine a day where we have a digital fish board.
0: Yeah, I think it would be reasonable. What do you do though if the fish is the same exact size? Because there was going through the data, there was several times where there'd be the same exact size fish, but there'd be a size, a weight difference. That we right, because you can only with that aware. kind of
1: derby, you can only do by length. I think you'd have to just split.
0: split yeah, I process. guess I don't know. You, somebody would just have to be just a decision, and then you just stick with it. I guess. Yeah, or
1: first one caught. That too. Yeah. You know, you can make it as simple as that. First one caught, and that way, no one's holding fish today day Yeah. You know, totally. so encourage mm-hmm. that. So anyway, lots to talk about mm-hmm. there, Mike. I'm not going to keep you much longer. I just wanted to call and uh, thank you for being so nerdy about this, and I should have <laughs> fished with you on Saturday. I was, I almost came down, and I really wanted to check out some other space, places, and I couldn't get on the ice in a few places I wanted to go to, and then I. Found Long Island and I went there instead. And sorry.
0: Most of the time I enjoy fishing by myself anyways. Yeah. You're
1: not good company. All I caught was a couple of uh, was a was a whole bunch of yellow perch. So mm-hmm. nothing nothing of size.
0: Yeah. Sunday was really slow for me. Saturday was good for the first two hours and then pretty slow after that. Yeah. I guess all Vinnie, of Sunday wasn't great. I guess Vinny and the gang caught like eighteen or nineteen Lakers in the course of two days.
1: Yeah, they did great. They did really, really well. They've really been dialing it in too they've been going every day. So oh, and really? the spots yeah. they're going to are private property. They got permission to access. Mm-hmm. And you can't get on the ice this year because the ice is so garbage. So they, Yeah. They got the lakers at
0: all. Yeah. This year. I've only been out a handful of times really. I haven't tried. No. <laughs>
1: so. I haven't tried. I've been guiding and,
0: and uh you know talking too much. I might try going What or Sunday my plan. I'll let it kind of hopefully harden up a little bit
1: tomorrow. It's going down to 12 degrees, so it should be fine. All yeah, right. that's my thought. All right, Mike, <laughs> Stefan, thanks so much for uh, for giving me your time and for being so nerdy about this stuff. And, again, I'll mm-hmm. share the pictures of these uh, charts at fishners.com. People can check all that out. And we're back. John King, Clay Groves with you here. <laughs> I feel like I'm on radio, like you don't know who you're talking to. Like every time you come back on Fish Nerds Podcast. Fish Nerds. And that's the trick with radio, John, is – you you almost say the name of your station like you have Tourette's, so. <laughs> All right, we have ten minutes to get this done, John. We're going to run out of time, so we're going right, to do, do a it. short one. All right, so we you heard Mike's you heard Mike's uh, explanation of what was happening. Yeah, and and really interesting to find out that on average the day two fishes are smaller. And and then he and I briefly got into the ethics of this contest, and he had no problem whatsoever with this with the ethics here. He said there's plenty of those kinds of fish around; numbers are good, and anglers aren't anglers aren't hurting the populations. Now I've I, I know you have a strong opinion here. I want to hear yours.
2: Well, actually, you know, when I first uh, you know you put on this topic for the show, you know, of course I got really you know my hackles jumped right on up, and, which I uh, like, by the way. <laughs> I like when John King's angry well <laughs> i mean i said you know i'm against kill derbies in all cases but you know or i or so i thought because ultimately i think it's all nuanced mm-hmm. i think mike makes a great point he's got the data to back it up that this tournament doesn't seem to be hurting nothing it's only one weekend a year it does a lot of good for people um the fish are, are not wasted you can either keep them or you can donate them and uh, uh even if they uh, you know and don't let being smashed by a hammer stop you from cleaning out that crappie the rest of the way but <laughs> anyway the thing is um uh, this is this tournament but when you put this topic up i looked up another tournament a shark tournament that had my blood just just boiling well shark tournaments, uh,
1: yeah whole thing man it's so I, bad. I
2: don't yeah we don't have time to get into it but and i you know of course i'm a nerd so i spiraled off into how poor the journalism was but then again i'm like eh, it's not that bad and I give the guy about a B. You know, it's TV. It was a TV article right. from the TV. You know, so what do you want? And 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 so on. So, you know, I, I don't want to say that that, you know, I mean, kill tournament, it's old school, right? Mm-hmm. It's old school. Well, that's and, where I'm at, John. This tournament makes
1: hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars. How difficult would it be to do a digital tournament tournament? Get a big giant board up there that's got digital readouts. Give people every day on the day of the tournament a little puck or something they can take a photo extra fish or an official measuring device, do it by length and do it all digitally. Let every fish go. It, it would, I don't have a problem. Like this, me, that it's 2023.
2: Well, <laughs> I mean, the kayakers that's kind of the way they got to do it because mm-hmm. they can't, they can't, you know, they don't have a live well, mm-hmm. they, they can't, you know, so that's the way they do everything. Now, Mike made a great point that, well, you know, we all know that you can get a fatty. That might be eighteen inches long, but'll outweigh a typical eighteen inch fish by a half pound or a pound or something, you know. So well, but still, that
1: said, that eighteen inch fish, fish might just ate dinner. Like it doesn't mean it's a bigger fish, you know. It, there's these nuances, in it. and I'm for me, John. The solution is, if you got two fish that that measure in exactly the same length, the one that got caught first wins. It's easy. I
2: think that's that's a great Simple. way to resolve it. Simple. Also. If you could get people to accept the math, all you got to do is length and girth. Oh, that works. And Then you can run, you know, you can run the math on it. Now. Right, but then those really might...
1: cold winter days, it means handling fish for a long time in the cold, and that can right
2: stress that you might be killing that way as well. So right, right. It, yeah. it look, net. I said we're going to have be careful with this, brother. You, t- I told it's you, it's a hard gonna, one, John. I fished a barrel off into tournaments in general, John. I fished a bass tournament this summer.
1: <laughs> I fished a bass <laughs> tournament. I did one, one bass tournament a year. For, for 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 veterans. It's the only one oh, I yeah, do. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. saw so many dead bass after a tournament. I've never been to a bass tournament before. I don't know if that's normal, but I saw bass swim away and die.
2: And well, you, I, so I'm sorry to cut you off, Clay, yeah. but you I listened to that, and you were like, well, they're pulling them out of 20, 25 foot of water. And in, an, in a cool lake like when Winnipesaukee, I think it was where it was at, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you drag a bass up from that deep and you handle it at all, it, you know, it's a goner. So but
1: we don't know where they caught them all. There was a lot of fish there. Some right. deep from shallow, I, some deep. I think it's just it was so hot that day. Live wells weren't doing enough for them.
2: Right, right. Stressful. And so well, like I say, we can't go down this rabbit hole. We have to have a whole new episode. We
1: should do a whole episode on it. We should, get, and we should get bass. We should get some pros who tournament fish
2: to to have it out with us. Well, if, if have know, a good conversation. I, so well, I get yeah, I have. We, we got friends. We got friends that fish. We went on fish the tournaments, both on a club level. And yeah. we got Angie Scott, who's a, you know, aspiring bass pro. And yeah. so we got to get her a on higher level.
1: Yeah, she, um, she just
2: won a big outdoor award. So let's get her on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Her, so. Because Angie's sitting around not doing nothing. No, I've already <laughs> talked to her about it. Yeah. And um, she, you know, she, uh, she is willing, but, uh, you know, it is a thing about, uh, you know, the competitiveness and this and that. I mean, people can. Like I say, it's too big. Don't get me going, bro. Okay. I mean, really.
1: Well, we should. I do want to cycle back to this talk a bit, but it's really interesting. Absolutely. There's a Absolutely. lot going on out there with it. So we'll come back down to this topic again. But uh, you did want to talk a little bit. You had um, a little bit of a contest you wanted to put together, a little bit of prize package going on here.
2: Right. I do. I, I Because, you know, I, when I rejoined the show, you know, Lure Love was just dad humor and, and lure geek out. And By the way,
1: gets- by the way, talking to the Lure Love fan, our, our friend today, on the ice, we both agreed that Lure Love was good enough to be one of those shows that made it, and we were shocked that it didn't. It was such a great show. The, the editing, the writing, the scripting, all so
2: perfect, so good. We loved that show. Oh, man. I, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm blushing here, brother. I yeah. mean, that's awful nice. I, I really do. We put a lot of heart into it, and we had a lot of fun doing it, and it was a real crusher. But I understand completely why why Tim had to pursue uh, another uh, well death will slow you down interest and 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 of course now <laughs> he's dead um so there you go um but seriously no tim is, is alive fine and well mostly Rest well and i'm not letting him off the hook he's going to contribute to this show by golly oh or, yeah we'll or, see we'll hear or from him he's, w- he's gonna wish he had yeah yeah um okay so first of all i just want to talk about we got a new correspondent coming on soon todd Correa, the fish rap writer and the first piece he submitted to me was a interview with an eight-year-old that has a tackle shop named after and i'm not going to give away anymore i want you to tune into that show when we get it on but if we're going to handle this controversial stuff then i want a positive ending because Absolutely. one of my favorite favorite things that varmints when paul was in varmints was they would end it with a kid mm-hmm. saying something cute so we could hear about how endangered tigers are and get all depressed but then a uh, five-year-old would come on and go tiger tigers really cool and i like tigers and you know so then you're feeling a little better so what we're going to do is i just want you all to send in sound clips of your kid and i'm not going to put it I i don't care if your kid's 35 or five right it doesn't matter talking about their biggest their favorites their best as in biggest fish biggest catch best time favorite fish that sort of thing do it on your phone just make a little sound bite and send it to clay at fishnerds.com and uh, you send it in we use it on the show I will send the uh, brilliant mind that decided to participate with us a crappie dealer. Mm, so when you and, send it uh, in, send us your mailing address as well. Yes, yes, yes. I I, I lost my psychic ability uh, when I turned 60. <laughs> um, but also I want you to get the girls. I don't care which one of your girls get blue. Jay get. Zoe, get Kristen, get somebody. Cause you can't do it. You're, you're intimately involved, but I want somebody to go through the mailing list. Someone go through your list of listeners however you want to do it. But we're going to do this every month. We're going to draw for a prize from uh glass angling. It'll be, you know, worth about 20, 25 bucks, something like that. But have one of the girls draw a name for me. And once again, we'll email them, we'll get the, we will uh, get their address and so forth. But I want to start. We did this on lure love. We had a lot of fun with it. we're going to keep it going here. Well, why don't so, we do
1: our Patreon subscribers there? Patreon is our the reason pa- the show because right. if we can afford to put the show on the air. So our Patreon all listeners all right. on there, the ones who actually fund the show, they're already entered.
2: Well, uh, they are already entered. In fact, you look, this is your show. You decide. Okay. I don't care. All I do is want a drawing, want to send some stuff out because uh, we love our listeners. We appreciate every single one, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's just a lot of fun. And, and, of course, look, we all know that this is advertising for glass water um, because when they take our lures out and use them, they're going to want some more, and they're going to show them to their friends and all that anyway. But this way, I get to advertise and yet not seem like a... Uh, opportunist scumbag you know what john (laughs) i'll tell you i'll I'll tell you what john we don't make
1: money on this podcast so if you can sell a few lures or i can sell a few guided fishing trips here and there that's fine this podcast has been going around for 11 years 307 episodes full episodes and about 120 bonus episodes i i think it's okay and it's it's fine for you to advertise your wear so you've (laughs) earned that you've been with us a long time and -hmm. people should go to your website and buy your stuff
2: well, yeah. uh, don't need to apologize
1: for having uh, you. And you yeah, make great it, lures,
2: and you don't need to well, apologize you, for that. Thank you, so. thank you, thank you. And, and, and everything is done with love, even yeah. if I get a side benefit, right? That's right. right. Well, that's all I had, my friend.
1: All right. Well, we got to get out of here. So, in, <laughs> we want big thanks, uh, big thank you to uh, uh, Mike Stefan for uh, doing the stats for us. John, thank you for coming on, forcing me to make this show every two weeks now. Uh, if we if we get enough listeners, we'll come back to weekly. But right now, let's just do two weeks and kind of ease back in again. Uh, and big thanks to. Um john who came ice fishing with us today that was really fun to be on the ice with a listener he's, he's such a fan boy he'd be like oh remember when you guys talked about this and i'm like nah, no i don't remember that uh <laughs> so really fun to have listeners like that reminded me of you love john, that guy but I, mean, I love this dude yeah oh you I'm love this so guy lucky. and he was a huge lure love fan he was so sad when that show shut down so big shout out there thanks to our families for letting us make the stupid podcast i'm gonna end it by myself so until next time Follow well, the code of the fish nerds, spawn early and often. Never trust a free lunch with strings attached and swim against the current every chance you get.
0: Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds. It's a podcast. Just for the halibut. Fried in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like you're in Siam, Fish Nerds, Fish Nerds, Fish Nerds, it's a podcast.